0: This morning we're going to explore the real God who is sovereign. God is sovereign. We live in a fallen world full of hang-ups, heartaches, hurts, mistakes, with the God of the universe waiting and wanting for us to know that He will be our source of comfort, hope, and peace. Charles Ryrie says, The word sovereign means principal, chief, supreme. It speaks first of position. God is a chief being in the universe. Then of power, God is supreme in power in the universe. How he exercises that power is revealed in the scriptures. A sovereign God could be a dictator, but God is not. Or a sovereign God could abdicate the use of his powers, but God has not. Nothing happens that is outside God's influence and authority. The Lord is the ultimate authority. There are times when we face situations that overwhelm us to the point that we feel as though we are an ant at the bottom of a mountain. It's much too big. It's bigger than we would have ever thought. And we feel hopeless and helpless. We're filled with questions We're filled with disbelief. We're filled with emotions that overwhelm us, but offer no relief. In these moments of times, we need to know that the Lord is our refuge and strength. A very present help in any time of trouble. He wants to be that rock. He wants to be that unmovable fortress. He is before all things. We're told in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is above all things. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5 and 6, we read, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. He accomplishes all things in Isaiah chapter fourteen and verse twenty-four. The Lord of Hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. He is self-sufficient. He is a sovereign God of the universe. He has a purpose for your life, for nations for peoples. And he loves you and me in an intimate and a passionate way. He is not a sovereign God who simply says, I'm in charge, get out of my way. He's the sovereign God who says, I love you in an amazing way. I want you to come close to me. He's not the one who says, just do it. He's the one who says, I'm the one who will get you through it. He lets us know that when we are weak, then is he Strong. The sovereign God. Nothing comes to my life that he did not either allow or decree for my ultimate good. Let's read that together. Nothing comes to my life that he did not either allow or decree for my ultimate good. Here's where the comfort comes. Nothing will come into my life today that he did not either allow or decree for my ultimate good. Nothing today nothing tomorrow, nothing next week, nothing next month, nothing next year, nothing ever. As I cooperate with him and trust him, he will actually take the very worst that can happen in our experiences for his purposes. The unexplainable and sudden illness, the accident and all the what-ifs, the child who is being ravished by addictions, the betrayal by a confident or loved one, the upside-down financial experience, the untimely death of a loved one or friend. I met a gentleman when I was in the Navy at Great Lakes Naval Base. I was an extremely young Christian. I knew that Jesus loved me. I knew I was forgiven, and I, I loved Jesus, and that's about all I knew. He was about just a couple inches taller than me, but probably a hundred more pounds of muscle than I had on my body. And as we talked, because we were going to the same church, he started to share a little bit of his story. He said, oh, you're new, and he's asking those questions, and I come to find out he was a Navy SEAL. And Bill said this, after we were talking for a while, he said, you know, he said, I'm really hurting right now. And I said, what happened? And he said, well, he said, this week we got our deployment orders. He said, there was a problem. We also had a medical check. They discovered a heart murmur. He said, I was informed that I would always be a Navy SEAL. I could wear my pin, but I would never, ever be able to serve as a Navy SEAL. He said, all of my life, I've dreamt of being a Navy SEAL. I made it through all the training, through all of the tests, countless medical exams, never heart murmur. He said, I finally am a Navy SEAL, and I'll never be able to function as a Navy SEAL. And he started to cry, and I didn't know what to do. And then he looked up, and he said this. He said, but I know one thing. God loves me. God has a plan. And I'm going to be okay. And sometimes we're in moments like that. We've given our life to something and it seems like it's been taken from us. Everyone responds to pain differently. I'm not trying to encourage you to just cheer up or to move on or to whimsically just trust him. The truth is that trust is developed over time. The psalmist said, at what time I am afraid, then I will trust him. In his book, You'll Get Through This, Max Lucado wrote the following. He said, you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. But don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. I want to encourage you to check out what God's love letter says to you about him. His word, the Bible. As you search for him in his word, you will get an accurate picture of who he is. Faith is always rooted in the character of God and in the promises that he makes. The only way to trust God's sovereignty is to have a true and an accurate picture of who he is. Because if it's only based on what we are feeling at the moment or thinking, we will never be able to trust his sovereignty. Because none of it will ever make sense. As you get to know him, you'll gain the perspective of a sovereign God who made you for himself and made you for eternity. Not just a moment of time here on planet earth. But don't just be on a quest to gain knowledge about him. But rather be on a journey to get to know him. Knowing about God and knowing God are not the same one encompasses knowledge, and the other infiltrates our very core beliefs. Never forget that our lives are dictated by what we truly believe. How does He reveal us? Reveal to us His sovereignty. Well, first of all, He reveals His sovereignty through His titles: the Sovereign Lord, Jeremiah chapter thirty-two, verse seventeen. Our Lord God, it is You who made the heavens and the earth by Your great power. And by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Another title is the Alpha and Omega. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Whether you believe it or not, he is who he is. He is not intimidated by what you think or by what you feel. He is not diminished by your belief and he will never back down. He has declared that there are no other gods before him. He reveals to us his sovereignty through his titles and also his promises. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we read, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is one of those verses that sometimes people just throw out. In many inopportune times, and the reason I say that is because of this: somebody has had a tragedy in their life, somebody has had a loss in their life, suddenly, somebody has had something suddenly come into their life, and it's devastating. And oftentimes, people will say Romans eight twenty eight: we know that all things work together for good. And the problem is this: because in the midst, in the moment of the Devastating news, the tragedy, the loss, the helplessness. Oftentimes, somebody is not ready to hear that. It's not that they're not willing to hear it from God. It's just that they don't need to hear it from another person just throwing it at them. We have friends, and they had a a tragedy take place in their life. They received hundreds of cards and notes, and they told us this. They said, we opened the card or the note, and everybody was trying to explain to us why God was doing what he was doing. They told us we bought a shredder, and we shredded, and we shredded, and we shredded. They said we were so angry at God. We were so angry at the people who wrote the note. People had never experienced that circumstance, but yet they were explaining to us what God was doing. They said, we kept a couple cards. Yours was one of them. And I apologized. I said, I didn't know what to say. And they said, exactly. They said, all you and Linda did was say, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We don't know what to say. They said, we're okay with that. Because we didn't know what to say. Now that means... If God is going to work everything for good, he needs to know every situation of every person in every circumstance and every motive to weave it in a way that will work out for your ultimate good. That's the sovereign God. He is all-knowing. Jesus offered these words, and he knows each of us completely. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. On October 29th, 1997, I was having my quiet time about 6 o'clock in the morning. It was a great morning because it was quiet. No distractions. Nothing was taking place. Nobody was pulling me aside. Nobody needed anything. Great thing. No cell phones at the time. So definitely no distractions. No distractions. Just a perfect morning with God, so to speak. Just hanging out with Him. I was reading something that it was planned for the day. I was sort of on this little uh, system at the time of how I was reading through the Bible. And One portion was Psalm chapter 121. Three of the verses were these. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you, Will not slumber. He'll never take a nap. He'll never sleep. He'll never be absent. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The second was in Am chapter 1 verse 7. The Lord is good. He is a stronghold in any time of trouble. And he cares and he knows those who trust in him. He not only reveals his sovereignty through his titles and his promises. But also through prophecy. It has been estimated that one-third of the Bible is prophetic, God telling us without error, without any oops, 100% of the time, this is what is going to happen. Because of this, we are able to receive comfort and confidence that He is in control. One of the greatest pictures of fulfilled prophecy is in Daniel 7-12. through 12. When you observe the history of Israel, you see God promise that when you disobey me, I'm going to scatter you. And it happened time and time and time again. Well, Israel did disobey God, and they were taken into captivity to Babylon. Daniel was taken captive too. He is bright and his captors notice. Just extreme intelligence and wisdom. They had a practice during those days that they would take the best young captives and they'd put them to the with the king to try to brainwash them because they wanted to use those individuals for their purposes. Well, Daniel remained grounded and loyal for the Lord till the end. An interesting fact about Daniel, when he was thrown into the lion's den, he was 80 years old. He's thrown into the lion's den. People would have thought, man, he's going to be torn apart because what they would do with the lion's den, they didn't feed the lions because they gave them people. Daniel is put into the lion's den. The king goes the next morning and he says, Daniel, Daniel. And Daniel simply said, "Oh, O oh. Oh, king, the God who I serve has delivered me from the lions. He shut their mouths." I often have thought Daniel must have used the lions as his pillow, as his comforter. It was something God did for Daniel. But during his captivity, he serves in three different dynasties. And each time, he ends up as an official with authority. And God gives him favor. God revealed to Daniel the next four major kingdoms that would come. God identified them very specifically. The Babylonians will be followed by the Medo-Persians. Then the Greeks will take over. They will have a great ruler who will take over the world and then it will break into four parts and then Rome will rise that great ruler was alexander the great all through scripture god says i know the end from the beginning because i am in control and my purposes will be accomplished well not only does he reveal his sovereignty through his titles and his promises and prophecy but also through christ we're told that christ had a perfect life in first peter chapter 2 verse 22 He committed no sin, neither neither was deceit found in his mouth. He fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. 1 Peter 1, verse 19 and 20, But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Through Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, he fulfilled more than 300 prophecies. His death and resurrection were told in John chapter 10, verse 17 through 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge have I received from my Father. Jesus went to the cross and gave his life willingly, and he rose again miraculously and with power. Jesus came, we're told, with no secret ambitions, no hidden motives, no sort of agendas that were apart from everyone else. Jesus said this, Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was on a mission. Jesus came that people may know him and life eternal. And that was accomplished by Jesus going to the cross for you and for me. He did it willingly. He had said nobody could take his life from him. He would lay it down, a ransom for many. Jesus Christ has an incredible amount of love for each of us. He didn't say, go get yourself cleaned up and come back and we'll talk about it. He said, listen, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. He reveals his sovereignty through his titles, his promises, through prophecy, through Christ, and he also reveals His sovereignty through redeeming pain in our lives. It is definitely an extremely emotional one. But one thing for certain is that He redeems pain in our lives. You don't have to live very long before you begin to have those probing questions. If God is sovereign, why is the world so messed up? If God is sovereign, why would He allow This to happen. If God is so good. And he is sovereign. Why does God allow evil to prevail? Habakkuk had that question before God. Habakkuk said God. You don't seem to realize. Your people. Are being annihilated. Your people are being tortured. Your people are being wronged. And God. You simply have chosen not to act. You've simply chosen. To be silent. And you're not doing anything about it. And God let Habakkuk know, Habakkuk, if I were to tell you what I was about to do, you won't even believe me. And oftentimes that is the case. In the crucible of life, we don't have the ability to see the end. We're only in the moment. But our father, Abba, daddy, He knows the beginning and he knows the end. He understands what we will never understand. And he is who he is. Sometimes we'll simply say, why do bad things happen to good people? Remember Joseph, the one who his dad showed a little bit of partiality and gave him a coat of many colors. He was abandoned by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, put into prison, Faced broken promises along the way. And then he was exalted to second in command of Egypt. But I want us to remember that that process wasn't just like a couple of weeks. He went into captivity as a slave at age 17. And he was almost 30 when he was exalted as second in command. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Joseph has his brothers before him. And Joseph's Joseph's brothers really thought that Joseph was going to have their life taken from them because of their dad. He's no longer going to be there to sort of protect them. And they viewed that their dad was sort of the one that was keeping Joseph from harming them. And Joseph said, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He said, you meant it for evil, but trust me, God meant it for good. How about Job? Well, he lost his source of income. He lost his children, seven boys and three girls. He lost his health, covered with boils and so much pain. Accusations were hurled against him by three friends who wanted to encourage him. You may have had those moments where you were going through a difficult time in your life. People came alongside you to encourage you and after they were done, you just wanted to lay down and never get up again. You ever had those moments? Everything they say seems to be, this isn't good. They try to say all these different things and it's just, it's just causing more and more pain and it's, it's not helping you in, in any way. It seems to be. Well, take note. Sometimes we're quick to judge why something has happened or why someone is going through a difficulty. The Lord is all-knowing, but we are not. I love what Job chapter 38 verse 1 through 4 says. Job got to the point he couldn't handle it with his friends anymore and so he started to just really defend himself. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by my words without knowledge? We're told, Who knows the mind of God and is able to offer him counsel? Dress for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Hey, Job, like, where were you when I was creating everything? Where were you when I was forming everything? Where were you when I was placing everything into creation? Job chapter 38, verse 35. He, God said to him, do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Hey, Job, are you the one? Are you the one who like orchestrates the, the beautiful lightning flashes? He said, do they report to you? Hey, Job, here we are. God is just processing with Job. Helping Job understand God is sovereign. In Job chapter 40, verse 1 through 4, And the Lord said to Job, Shall faultfinder fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am a small count. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Job just finally got to point and said, Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to listen. The reality is, sometimes in the midst of our pain, we're not ready to hear. And guess what? God knows that. And God doesn't force it upon us. God doesn't tell us, listen, I'm going to let you have a minute here, and then we're going to have to move on. He doesn't do that. That's not what God is trying to do. Remember, God's in it with us. For the long haul. And a lot of times it is. Just going through a process. Job was restored his livelihood. Times two we're told. Job had seven more sons. And three daughters. And some of you are thinking. Well what about Job's wife? Wasn't she the faithless one? Because she said Job just cursed God and and die. I think I have a little appreciation about Job's wife. Did you ever think of this? Job lost his livelihood. His wife lost all of her security too, right? Job lost his children. Who gave birth to those children? His wife. She lost her children too. Then she's watching him go through all this pain and heartache. And she, I really believe she thought, Job, if you'll just curse God and die, It'll be over for you. You'll get to be with the Lord. You see, I happen to believe that Job's wife, she was going through it too. And in the end, she was also restored some children and wealth and security. It's always been said that behind every good man is what? better woman. Yeah, a great woman. I think Job's wife was more than some of us have ever given her credit for. The sovereignty of God is the greatest and deepest comfort in a fallen world. Psalm chapter 119, verse 50, we read, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Crisis, pain, injustice, and difficulty will make some people and break others, will fortify and expand the faith in Christ of some, that is beyond our comprehension and will cause some to abandon their faith in Christ. I believe that one detriment of prosperity teaching is that when people believe there is a formula and that God has committed himself to make you healthy, wealthy, and cause everything to simply go your way, disappointment might just be around the corner. Often people think they are the ones to blame. Comments such as, if I was just a better person... Or if I just had more faith. Or if I could have done something better. The reality is he lets us know that even when we are faithless. He remains faithful. We all need to be gripped by his grace. I mentioned earlier that on October 29th 1997 I had an incredible quiet time. Psalm chapter 121, I will lift up my eyes to the Lord from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in any time of trouble. And he cares and he knows those who trust in him. On March 8th, something took place also. But on October 29th of that year, 1997, our daughter Issa was born. It was a great moment. I got to be in the delivery room. I did the man thing. The doctor said, it's time. And I watched nurses, and she was just walking around casually. Like, it's time. Just everyone's so calm. So I said, who's catching the baby? And she said, what did you say? I said, who's catching the baby? Because if no one else is, I will. And she did probably what any doctor would say, sit down. And so I sat down. But Isa was born. What we didn't realize, and what I didn't know on the morning of that great quiet time, God was laying a path for something better. On the 31st, we went to get her out of the nursery, and they said, can't take her home. You've got to see the doctor. Doctor said, I detected a murmur. I've called in a cardiologist. Cardiologist was doing a 2D echo, and he said, here's an 8-millimeter hole. Here's a 9-millimeter hole, and he got quiet. When he got done, he drew pictures, and he said, listen, She has pentalgia flow, five heart defects. On March 8th, she had been in the hospital for just a week during that little stint before March 8th. March 8th, she took her last breath. She had five cardiac arrests that day. There was a resident in the room trying to revive her on the fifth time. And I put my arm around her and I said, Doc, it's okay. I had the privilege to tell three doctors in that room that when God says no, all the doctors in the world can't say yes. But you see, this is a reality of sometimes what we struggle with. Because for the next seven years, on her birthday and on her death anniversary, I would be on the internet looking for answers. I was on the internet trying to figure out what I should have done differently as a dad. I was on the internet looking for what... I should be blamed for. You see, I've believed that when God says no, all the doctors in the world can't say yes. I wasn't blaming God. I wasn't blaming the doctors. I was blaming me as though I could do something. I'll never forget, Linda would say to me, Honey, quit. There's nothing you could have done. She heard what I would tell people. God was good. He was doing this stuff, but I was just, I was guilty. As a dad, and on that seventh year, I remember being on the internet, and I had a job moment. It was almost as if God said, "Al, it's done. Quit it," because all you're doing is get further and further removed, and more and more technology is coming along. This is the United States; you're not in the Philippines, and all these different things. And that night, there was that sense of freedom, because it became God, your sovereign. I went out of this picture, so to speak. There's a song entitled, He's Been Faithful. In my moments of fear, through every pain, every tear, there's a God who's been faithful to me. When my strength was all gone, when my heart had no song, still in love, He's proved faithful to me. Every word He's promised is true. What I thought was impossible I've seen my God do he's been faithful to me looking back his love and mercy I see though in my heart I have questioned and I've even failed to believe yet he's been faithful faithful to me when my heart looked away the many times I couldn't even pray Still, my God was faithful to me. Oswald Chambers said, I must learn that the purpose of my life belongs to God and not to me. God is sovereign. He is good. He loves us in an amazing way. And if you're here today and maybe you've never come to that place where you know that Jesus Christ didn't just die on the cross for the world, but he died on the cross for you. And he rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death. It wasn't just for the world, it was for you. If you're here today and you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never been to adopted into God's family through Christ, I want you to know he's waiting on you. He wants you to experience that forgiveness that love the gift of salvation but the gift that he will never leave you never forsake you maybe you're here today and you've had things that no one even knows maybe some know but no one will ever be able to understand your pain because all of our pain is unique to us I want you to know the sovereign God knows the sovereign God cares the sovereign God is here for you let's pray if you've never come to that place and allowing Jesus Christ to be in your life I encourage you to just pray for me transfer your faith from yourself onto him simply say dear Jesus I know I've sinned Jesus I ask you to forgive me come into my life Help me to live for you and help me to follow you and help me to get to know you. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here and during these next moments you just need to talk to Him a little bit. I'm not claiming it's a few-second process because I know better than that. But I know this. God's going to walk the journey with you. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you that you are sovereign. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Would you stand and sing with me? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ what a wonderful name it is nothing compares to this what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus death could not hold you the bell tore before you SILENCE THE BOST OF Sydney. a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next Sunday.